It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of the space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Takes a shot. Here's Corey Davis, wide open. Davis. Still going, and he's in for the touchdown. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's the q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it's time to discuss day number two of New York Jets training camp with the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at jetsinsider.com. And above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Chris, yesterday, Zach Wilson missed the first practice. Today, he missed the second practice, but he will not miss the third practice because a deal was struck. Zach Wilson has finally signed the final first-round pick to do so. So as you and I said yesterday, all the people that were flipping out, saying the Jets are the most embarrassing organization ever, wondering if Zach Wilson was ever going to show up or if this was really going to hurt him, it's going to be fine. He's here a couple of days before they even get to the first padded practice. And basically how it breaks down is this. Zach Wilson's agent wanted Wilson to get paid his full signing bonus right away. Jets wanted offset language included. They met halfway. Wilson will get his bonus right away, but the Jets will get the offset language that they wanted. So there you go. Zach Wilson in the fold. And now we don't have to worry about what happens with Mike White and James Morgan in training camp, which as we're going to get to later, Chris, is a good thing because they were both terrible again to the point of hilarity. But as I said, we'll talk about that later first let's talk about Zach Wilson you and I said this would be over in relatively short order it was it's not going to impact anything I'm just glad that we don't have to talk about it anymore me too uh this this was always the thing this is why I kept saying don't worry about it because if he's just going to miss two or three practices it's not a big deal uh if it if had gone on into next week then yes it would have been a big deal but at, I just couldn't imagine that it was going to happen. That it that doesn't happen. That's not how these things work. Uh, they, you know, the old uh, cliche of uh, things don't get done until a deadline. But they're both digging in, and yeah, okay, you can afford to play around with the first couple of days. It's it's not a big deal. Again, especially with the mini camps, especially with the other work that he did. Um, and then also in the mini camp practices, like he was getting all the first team reps, like every single first team rep. When like when Darnold came in at, at, at mini camp, he was splitting first team reps. Uh, typically, the rookie quarterbacks aren't getting all the first team reps. He was getting them all. So uh, it's going to be very easy to, for him to make up that time here, and uh, also with the essentially time served in minicamp. He's on pace. He's on schedule. It's not going to have any effect on him in the future and it's not even going to affect how good he is this year. They're going to be able to overcome uh, missing two days of practice. 
<clears throat> but like we said, that this was all this is just a posturing on um, mm-hmm. both sides. The, the GM and ownership needs to get their win. The agent needs to get their win. Fortunately, there was two different um, points of contention here. So they were able to meet in the middle and say, okay, fine. We each get a win <clears throat> and we get each get to just ignore the loss on the other side of it. We'll only tout up the win part of it. And, and cool. Uh, it, it's all unbelievably silly for uh, a billion dollar organization to be worried about. Uh, and it offset language of a rookie quarterback is it's a quarterback shouldn't be worried about it. Very, very few court, first round quarterbacks don't see out their contract. And if you don't see out the contract, you know, there's, there's a good chance that like the team could probably get out of paying some of that anyway, because there's probably some some voidable that happened. Um, but yeah, these these past two practices were brutal. Uh, it, it was bad. You know, the first yesterday was just like, OK, we're out there. We got some. OK, this 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 is bad. This is tough. And then today. It was just um, okay. I they need to get this done for our sake because this is tough to watch, and we can't evaluate the offense. We can't evaluate the secondary, um, and it just seems pointless to sit here and watch an offense run by James Morgan and Mike White. But it's all over now. He signed. He they, uh, they haven't said anything officially confirming that he'll be there uh, at practice tomorrow, but. Uh, he was in the building. He has signed the contract. He's ready to go. So I have every expectation that he will be practicing tomorrow. We'll see him out there. And then we'll, we will get a look at how this offense is going to start to look. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Chris, as you said, both sides wanted to come away from this with a win. And now they get to both puff their chests out. The Jets can say they held firm and won on the offset language. Wilson and his agent can say that they won on the signing bonus, and now we can get down to business. And I think one of the first orders of business should be getting a veteran quarterback. We'll get into more of what Robert Sala said in the presser later, but first I do want to address what he said about the possibility of getting a veteran quarterback. He said that the team's vision is to have a young guy that they mold and try and turn into something rather than going out and getting a veteran and spending money and using a roster spot on a guy that they hope never plays. In the ideal world, you would think that's great. Yeah, sure, find a young guy, mold him into something, and don't worry about a situation you hope never arises. But of course, you have to worry about a situation you hope never arises because if it arises, you don't want to be caught completely unprepared. See Falk, Luke. And that is what you're going to be looking at here if the Jets end up with an injury to Zach Wilson and they don't go out and get a veteran. Nick Foles makes way too much sense to me. He's making $6 million, which is not that big of a deal for a backup quarterback. The Bears need to get rid of him. We talked about this yesterday. He's going to be the third quarterback. They can't even dress him because there's no way they're going to have three quarterbacks on the roster on game day. And so you go out, you get Foles, who's a former Super Bowl MVP and who's capable enough that If Wilson were to get hurt, and I presented this as a scenario to you earlier, Chris, and it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. Let's say the Jets are 5-5 and and Zach Wilson gets hurt. If you have Nick Foles, it's possible that you could gut out a couple of wins and still maybe possibly 
eke yourself into the playoffs, which is the name of the game here. If you don't and you're going with Morgan and White, you might as well forfeit the season. But the other key component of this, and you talked about this a little bit last night and you and I have talked about this a lot, if you don't have a quarterback that's at least halfway competent out there, how are you supposed to properly evaluate and develop the young offensive talent like Denzel Mims, Elijah Moore, even Michael Carter to an extent because he's going to be catching passes out of the backfield. You can't proceed that way if you want to know what you have and if you want to get the best out of your young skill talent. So as far as I'm concerned, as much as I like what I've seen out of Robert Salas so far and Joe Douglas too, this is a mistake. I don't think it's a wise move if they're being genuine with it because it's possible that they might say this now and then still go out and get a veteran. Maybe they are interested in Foles, but they don't want to tip their hand because they're thinking they can get Foles for nothing and maybe the Bears are trying to actually get something worthwhile. I don't know, but if we're taking this at face value, it just does not make any sense to me. It makes sense to me. Like When, when he says what he says, I understand it completely. And I, it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, I agree with you in theory um, because it, it, he's talked about how you know, a lot of times a, a veteran backup, uh, they're not going to do much winning if they have to come in and play. And especially for such a, uh, you know, a young team. And I don't just mean the age of the roster, but this being year one of the Robert Sala and Joe Douglas experience with uh, a rookie quarterback and all that. This is first year of the the building of this, this team. Um, like a veteran isn't going to impact so much of a they win. I and I get that and I agree with that. But it le- it like misses a few points. It, it misses some details uh or it kind of glosses over uh, some downsides of it. And one of those is yes again that sounds good in theory, but we're talking about Mike White and James Morgan here. I I, I've, if you're putting me in charge, I'm not wasting too much time trying to develop either of them. Um, also, as, as you said, uh, and we've talked about a lot, is the idea of being able to evaluate the rest of the offense. Corey Davis, we, we know he's a good receiver, but how is he going to be in this system? Is he going to be able to continue to improve off of his career year last year? If, all, if we have to watch James Morgan, Mike White, like we have no idea what if uh, last season was a, a, you know an outlier for him, or if uh, he would be that good again if the situation was close. Um, so that's the downside of that strategy and that theory. And uh, it's again, you want <clears throat> I'd lean more towards needing a veteran on a team that was you know making the Super Bowl run, of course. Uh, but also at the same time, when it's this young of a team and you need you need answers at so many other positions, during the season we're gonna get answers about the cornerbacks. But right now in training camp, I can't I can't evaluate the cornerbacks properly while I'm watching James Morgan and Mike White. I, I can't do it. Um so it I do get it in theory it's just the practice of what's happening right now. I, I I can't get on board with it completely. Um, I do be- absolutely believe Salah when he like 
this is something that he generally believes in, but I don't think that it's necessarily an absolute. And so I'm not going to rule out the possibility that they're going to go ahead and try to add something later after. I mean, they should have seen enough. <clears throat> to be honest, by now, they should have seen enough to uh, to uh, go and sign somebody else. But this is the other part about it. Go ahead and do that. Take that strategy with the third uh, quarterback on the depth chart. But you got a rookie quarterback with this team. Give me somebody that I know can competently run the offense. It's not going to cost too much money. They have cap room. I understand if you have to pay this year, then that takes away from being able to roll it over next year. I get it. Um, Again, I'm not sitting here saying uh, you need to get a backup because you got to get that play, be able to be in there for that playoff push. Um, Your point about if they're five and five, it absolutely matters to the fan base at that point because if James Morgan, Mike White comes in, this, everyone just writes the season off immediately. Where at least you're going to kind of write off, but you still have interest enough to watch if it's somebody competent. Um, but I do understand from their side that that is an, uh, an important factor. And this is just year one of their building plan. But again, it's just, there's a lot of little reasons I can point to for to poke holes in this theory, but the the big one that I'm going to hold up is I need to be we need to be able to evaluate this offense without Zach Wilson if that ends up being the case, and you can't do that with the two guys they have here. You got to get somebody at least competent. No question about it, and I do think that the player development and evaluation argument is very strong, but I also think. That we can't just sit here and say, well, there's no way the Jets are going to make a playoff run this year, so what does it matter? It's possible they could. We've seen crazier things. Plenty of times, teams end up ahead of schedule and make a playoff run quicker than you expect them to. If a couple of things go the Jets' way, you never know. They could be in it in December. I'm not saying it's super likely, but it's not impossible. And so if that does happen, if that scenario that I did give you happens, I guarantee you that the coaching staff will be sorry that they don't have a competent quarterback sitting there ready to come in. If something happens to Zach Wilson, knock on wood, hopefully it does. But I think they're playing a dangerous game I hope they reconsider but we'll see what happens Because as you said Chris And I want to get into this now Yesterday White and Morgan were bad From what I understand they were even worse today Yeah they were uh, Listen one of One of the highlights of Practice today was uh, An Eccles interception Brandon Eccles interception But the thing is it like people were like, oh, Eccles making a play. No, no, he it wasn't Eccles making a play. Corey Davis had him beat. He got him on a move, uh, inside cut, and then bounced outside, and he was wide open. And there, like, it, it there's no reason why that pass should not have got to Corey Davis's hands, but that ball was thrown in slow motion like super slow motion and Eccles was able to come underneath uh, Corey Davis, pick it off and start running backwards. But like, I mean, he did a good job to actually get the interception, but it's such a softly tossed ball that like, how could you not? Um, So again, like I'm not trying to take anything away from Eccles here, but I can't put that and mark that down as like a great play, as a big, huge win for him. 
Um, he, he got beat on the play. The poor was just a throw was just so poorly thrown that he could have, he could make it up, but he will never ever see a pass that bad in a game in the NFL. And, you know, unless the quarterback's arm gets hit as he's throwing it, that's the only way he's seen any type of floater like that in an actual game. So it, that, that's how bad it was. Um, there was, very few passes that even really went downfield. Uh, there was a, a like a 25-yard pass uh, to Jamison Crowder that was completed, but it looks like uh, – I don't know if you ever played that game 500 when you were a kid where there was just like one person would throw a ball in the air and then call out like a number – a score, like 50 or and then uh, 200, and whoever catches the ball would get those points. And whoever gets to 500 first wins. Uh, and you just throw it lofted as high as you can in the air, watch it come down. That's what that pass looked like. It was just like rainbow loop lop. And I was just like, okay, I, I, I mean, it works. Okay. But you, this isn't, this isn't something you can, uh, you can live with in an NF in a real NFL game. It's not going to work with the speed of an NFL game. Um, so, it it was bad, and I don't see these two guys improving anywhere near enough that to be able to save face on that. Uh, it's why it's so important that Zach Wilson is back here. Big day for Carl Lawson. Would have had three sacks if this was an actual game, and also one of them came against Makai Becton. So early returns for the big free agent signing by Joe Douglas. Yeah, he was all over the place today. Uh it, he was every time you looked up, he was in the backfield. It seemed like um, flying around. Salah talked about it after practice too. He he thinks it's really good for uh, for Lawson and for Becton to go against each other, just because he's a, Lawson's not going to see uh, another a tackle as big and as athletic and agile as he is, and Becton is not going to see somebody as like small compact and powerful and quick as Lawson is. So uh, for them to be able to work against somebody who's like polar opposite of them, they think will be really good for that, for, for both of them. Um, But yeah, it was, it was definitely fun to watch him just fly around today. He was super disruptive and just constantly finding himself in the backfield uh, that that's another thing. This this happens every year in training camp because <clears throat> they can't really hit. So like there will be a play where a, the quarterback would have gotten sacked. He'd get sacked, but the play continues anyway. And then the, he either throws an interception, gets uh, completion, whatever. And we like everyone counts it in the charts. But there was plays today where the quarterbacks were getting sacked like three to four times before they would even throw the ball. It was just wild out of control. But Carl Lawson was the one doing the most disrupting there by far. Bryce Hall was back today. Yeah, this, this is interesting too. Cause uh, the players, when they come to talk to us, they, they're wearing masks, but also like, I I haven't gotten to know these players and talk to them face to face. So like they come up to the podium and it, it takes me a second to try to figure out who they are with the mask on and everything. <clears throat> but Bryce Hall was back. He I, uh, just came back. They, they had a baby yesterday. So, uh, you know, he got some congratulations. Um, 
it, but even with this match, the first uh, question was about how he, uh, if he feels a lot better this off season than he did last off season. And he's wearing the mask, but you could tell that there was a huge smile on his face before he even answered it. Um, that he absolutely feels much better. You know, obviously just the difference between being a rookie in the second year, but also just he was coming back from injury last year and now he feels completely healthy. And he talked about this, like he thinks he does think from a mental standpoint, the game has kind of slowed down for him a little bit, but physically he's, he can be far more explosive. He's, he has a more of a trust in his body that his body's completely healed than he did uh, last year. Um, as you know, he was able to, train the entire off season. He, he couldn't do that. We, we tend to do this a lot in sports. A guy comes back from an in injury and you just think, okay, hundred percent, he's ready to go. But that, especially for a rookie that <clears throat> misses all the training camp and everything because of the injury and then to come back, he didn't get to put in the work, the training uh, to build up his endurance, all that type of stuff. So he's really excited about that. Um, <clears throat> he was asked about the Jets not signing a veteran quarterback. quarterback, And he said that, you know, it shows that Salah has the confidence in, in them. Uh, he believes in us and we believe in him. Um, <clears throat> and then he talked about the defense, the scheme, uh, about how simple it is, but it's, it is the details that make it great. Um, so, he went and he watched the 49ers tape on the 49ers, <clears throat> but he wasn't looking so much for uh, their roles and all that type of stuff. He was looking, just focusing on fundamentals, on the technique, on, um, you know, what they were doing mechanically speaking. So he could try to emulate that and get, uh, because they had been working within the system for so long. Um, so he focused on that part of it. And, uh, it, then also trying to make sure that uh, everything he does looks the same every time so that he can't give the offense a clue or a hint to what he's doing, something that they can look to take advantage of. And then also he said that uh, <clears throat> with the uh, the outside perception of the quarterback room, it doesn't concern him. He understands it, uh, but he actually really likes it because, yeah, there's there's no big names <clears throat> there's a bunch of young guys, but they're hungry. They're hungry and they're motivated and they're uh, they're competitive and trying to outdo each other. And he thinks it's going to be really good for them in the long run. Chris, before we get to what Connor McGovern and Robert Sala had to say after practice, anything else that we missed that stood out to you, either positively or negatively today? The, I mean, the running game again. Uh, for the the running game is. Obviously, light years ahead of where the passing game is now, but the running game looks pretty good right now. They they look like they they know what they're doing. This offensive line, uh, I, you know, I I talk about this every year with the running backs. It's really hard to judge uh, running backs in camp when they can't get hit. They always look great. Michael Carter did look super explosive, quick and shifty today, running the ball. Um, that was impressive, but. <clears throat> Again, there's only so much you can write up to that. But the the offensive line watching them, they are uh, re like they know they know their roles. They know what they're supposed to be doing. I'm not seeing mis like huge mistakes from them. 
and especially over the last couple of years, that was a constant problem in training camp. There was it was constantly one just one player doing something wrong that would lead to the play getting completely blown up. <clears throat> so they seem to be in sync and seem to know their roles and what they're doing. And the other thing that uh, didn't stand out so much from today, but yesterday and today combined, <clears throat> is is Robert Sala and his personality. Because I think we all kind of expected more of a fiery personality on a day-to-day basis with him. And we were largely basing that off of, you know, watching him scream on the sidelines and needing a get-back coach. But he's, like, super soft-spoken. Um, he's very calm and measured. Uh, he it, It's it's like a, a completely different person gets unleashed during the games. They, the competitive juices get flowing, and he starts going, barking that way. But I also think that's probably <clears> – <throat> he was probably doing that more in a defensive coordinator role. And I think that we might see a calmer Sala on the sidelines too now that he's the head coach and has to oversee everything now. And he's going to, you know, probably want to project more of a calm image than as a defensive coordinator. So I just found it very interesting because I think we all expected him to be a lot more fiery uh, but he's super soft-spoken, common measured. Let's talk a little bit more about Robert Sala and Connor McGovern. You just spoke about his demeanor, and we talked earlier about his comments on the backup quarterback situation. Anything else interesting come from the coach or from the starting center? Um, there wasn't too much. Uh, today was mostly uh, the, the large chunk of the Sala presser was about Zach Wilson, and he was – he was saying that, uh, that uh, you know, it, he needs to be in here soon. Like, he, he needs to be in here. Uh, he can't afford to keep missing too much time. Um, I, I think that was probably just him watching what he had there, been like, all right, this is frustrating. I need, I need to be able to see that uh, what the, this offense can actually look like. Um, <clears throat> also, he did, he did bring up, I thought this was interesting. He brought up and said the, the phrase, same old Jets. And it, it was, uh, you know, this isn't the same old Jets thing. <clears throat> and I just found it interesting that he was like, he he was ready for it. Like he, he did the, 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 uh, the work, the research to know, like this is something that's going to be said. No matter what happens, there's always going to be somebody who's going to come and say something, uh, same old Jets. As soon as something goes wrong, it's going to be same old Jets, same old Jets. That's just how it works. You guys, you fans, you know that's how it goes. Some of you probably do it yourself, uh, but the others, you know that's how it goes. I just thought it was interesting that he acknowledged it, that he brought that up and uh, was just like, yeah, I know. I know it's going to be a same old Jets thing. Kind of like when we sit here and, and just be like, I know LOL Jets is a thing, but like, um, I, so I found that interesting. Connor McGovern talked about, really you could talk about and see how excited he is about uh, playing in this system, getting back to the wide zone. He had, he had a good line uh, there. He was like about how the wide zone – it was best for him. That's that's where he feels he's best. And he said, you know, that's what made the Jets want to sign me. I was playing in the wide zone system, and that's what made them want to sign me. 
So he's really excited to get back to that for him. He thinks that's where he will be best at. But also, he thinks that this offensive line is built perfectly for it. And he's he's very excited about Morgan Moses coming in. More depth there. Another person with experience that can fit in it. Um, so he, he's very excited about the system, about the way the talent matches the system going forward. Chris Nimbley, the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang. And, of course, a very big deal over at JetsInsider.com. Thanks so much for coming on and reviewing day number two of training camp. And, of course, talking about the fact that Zach Wilson has finally signed. And now we don't have to talk about that story anymore. And we can get down to business and talk about Wilson and his performance in training camp. But we will start that tomorrow when Wilson actually practices. In the meantime, check out Chris's very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com and follow him on Twitter at CNimbly and at JetsInsider. And check out everything we're doing over at PlayLikeAJet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. Luke Grant has a ton of great film reviews up there, but he's also got a quick video discussing the ramifications of the Zach Wilson signing and what it means going forward. So if you haven't watched that yet, and if you haven't subscribed to the channel, please go ahead and do that. And if you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes for the podcast yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com.